Man, it is good to see you guys. It's always so great to be together. And the reason I'm on the floor is because I want to be on the floor, and I'm going to have my dear friend, Kathy Stott. I, I, I met this lovely young woman 22 years ago when we came and visited up here when, when we were in YWAM in Tyler, Texas. And having no idea that we would come to stay, what, seven years later, although Jeff seemed to know that. Jeff knew that we were on our way up. But Kathy has just been this wonderful person, not only in our lives, but in the life of this congregation. And you guys know, you know, last week we started the series on prayer, and we're going for the next seven weeks talking about the importance of prayer in many different facets. And so we're going to be uh, featuring and highlighting, um, you know, people from this congregation as we go uh, into this more uh, of who really embody some of these things well. And the first person I thought of as we were talking about prayer, man, who would I love to hear from was Kathy Stott, because this woman knows how to pray. Um, so Kathy, can you just tell us, give us a, a sort of a glimpse into your prayer life? How do you roll with God in terms of prayer? Um, for me, prayer is just like the air I breathe. It's 24-7. It's, it's, um, it, it's a closeness to Father God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit that is just something I, I hunger for, I thirst for, and I love being in their presence. Yeah, that's beautiful. You said a lot of times when you're praying for people, um, or for a situation, you start with the Lord's Prayer, which we just prayed together. Tell us about that. Um, the Lord, I was introduced to the Lord's Prayer um, in my upbringing at a very young age, and I would pray it just like it's written up there, but then the Lord gave me um, a more intimate way to pray it for individuals and situations, and um, so... When, when I'm praying um, for specific situations, I normally pray the Lord's Prayer, but I am talking to God all the time, no matter where I am. And to me, that's the difference. There's talking to God, which is also praying, but it's just, it's just talking to him like I'm talking to you right now. So formal times, but then very informal, sort of practicing the presence times. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, you were telling me about how this began with you, and I thought this was just a really poignant story. So how long have you been walking with God in that way, and where did it begin? Um, when I was six years old. I um, 32 years, Kathy. I know. It's that is just, amazing. I, I love you, Jason. I love you, Kathy. <laughs> Um, I, I was one of three children, and um, one morning my, we were in our living room, and um, my father came out with a suitcase, and he said he was going on a vacation. And my two brothers and my mother were in the living room, and I, said, I knew immediately that that wasn't the truth. I knew he was leaving forever. And... Um, I ran from the living room to my bedroom, and I jumped on my bed, 
and I scooted up into the corner because my bed was against the wall. And the closer I got to the corner, I could feel when I got in the corner, God's arms, Father God's arms around me. And I mean, it was so tangible and so real that um, it's, he's always been there ever since that moment. And it doesn't matter whether I make wrong choices or mistakes, I'm not perfect in any way, shape, or form. And that doesn't matter to him because he loves us. He loves us so deeply. So you've known him as father since the day your natural father left. Exactly. Yeah. I think that is so beautiful, um, and this morning we're going to talk about um, the, the type of prayer, adoration prayer, which is saying both his greatness and his nearness as father, and I, I can just see that so evident in you in the way that you treat people around you that you're praying for, um, you, you're the, the father heart of God, or the, the mother heart of God, you could say too, right, uh, is so evident in you, and I just want to say how much I, I appreciate that so much about you. And I wonder, can you just pray for our congregation as we begin this morning um, for that revelation, that nearness of God as Father for us? Can you do that? Sure. And I'm going to go up on stage. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. Father God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I would ask right now that you would come and that you would fill the people of this body ones that are here and not here, that you would open our hearts and our minds to the truth that you are love and you intimately love us no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. It's your love and your love for us that you long for. And so I pray for everyone here and everyone that isn't here but is a part of this body, that they would know you so intimately that you would be their very breath of life in every situation that they encounter. Good, bad, ugly, wonderful. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in each individual. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. And thank you, Kathy. Can we just give her a hand? We love you. Thank you, sir. Man, isn't that so good? I was so moved by that. So moved. Um, we are starting this series uh, on prayer. Pastor Joshua started last week talking about why we pray. And uh, so today in the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at different facets of prayer and different ways to pray. Uh, and m most of this flows right out of the Lord's Prayer. And as we mentioned last week, there's some wonderful uh, supplemental material at prayercourse.org. Um, we did not come up with this, uh, but the 24-7 prayer movement uh, with Pete Gregg, that's G-R-E-I-G, um, <laughs> had a funny situation of one of you uh, texting me last night worried because he bought a book by somebody with a very similar name and his views on prayer were not what we are trying to teach, I assure you. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, Pete, Pete Gregg is his name and uh, his book is, is called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. 
um, which I love that title. So anyway, we're using his, uh, some of his materials and, and uh, some other stuff as well uh, as we walk through this. Um, so today, we're, we are talking about adoration. And the, uh, the, of course, the Lord's Prayer begins, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I don't know about you, but I actually really enjoy the King James Version of the Lord's Prayer. I've seen other versions. I know there's, you know, we don't usually use King James around here, but that's why I love using it for uh, our, our recitation together. There's many people who grew up on the Lord's Prayer. That might be the only bit of scripture they've ever memorized. And I love to suddenly feel that little bit of a jolt. Oh, this language is old. Oh, our faith is old. I think it's so good for us to remember that our faith is old. Our faith is big. And so it, so that means sometimes we have to do a little bit of work. Like we see, hallowed be thy name. Okay, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what that means. Hallowed means to revere, to make holy. Now, holiness itself is uh, a word that can fool us today. I, I feel like we hear the word holy or hallowed and, and we think bleached, sterilized thoughts, you know? Like holiness is a starched white garment. Holiness is grumpy. Holiness is always shushing people. It's never smiling. Holiness is uncorrupted by color or texture or sound or smell. It's a, it's a word that is to be whispered, never sung. Holiness is something drab. But that's not actually what it is. That's certainly not what the, the, the ancient Israelites would have thought. Look at what Isaiah says in chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Check this out. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. Two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Friends, this is not a starchy scene. This is not a dull, drab scene. This is a crazy scene. There's fire, and there's smoke, and there's a king with this gigantic robe, like huge, right? And there's these angels who I have never seen in a nativity scene before. These guys have six Wings. It's kind of scary looking. And what are all of them doing? In the midst of the scene, there's an earthquake, and they're shouting, holy, holy. They're shouting, in essence, hallowed be thy name. In the deep Hebrew, most scholars miss this, but I don't because I can read the deep Hebrew. It means something like, dude. That's very modern. Dude. That's what that means. <laughs> You see, it's not something sterile and boring, is it? It's holiness is, is something wild. It's something, it's something big. It's, it's something that we've never seen before. As the kids say today, God is just built different. <laughs> it's just different, you guys. Now, I've never had a vision of the throne room of God. Maybe you have. However, I have been to Cannon Beach, Oregon. <laughs> it's my favorite place. I love Cannon Beach, Every time I'm there, I get overwhelmed by the beauty of the place and these endless waves. One time I was there, I will never forget. We were at a, the One Hope Prayer Summit, 
And uh, it was January, but I swear it was like 50 degrees and beautiful. And we took a, a walk from the from place we were staying all the way to, to Haystack Rock. And it was just this magnificent day. The sun was out. And on the way back, even though the sun was out, it started raining. Is that like anyone else's favorite thing? I love it when the sun is out and it's raining. Because you're like, this shouldn't be, right? And as we're walking back, we're walking toward where the river comes out and meets the sea. There's a double rainbow over this river. And as we get closer, we see this family of bald eagles is playing in the river. I was just like, what what kind of fairy tale are we living in this moment? You know? It was like all of these things that never happened right there. I'm sure there was a real deep prophetic meaning to all that. You guys remember that? That was crazy. But you stand back and you're like, whoa. Or, dude, (laughs) hallowed be thy name. That's where I mostly see that massive, big sort of reverential glory of God. I see it in nature. That's why I so love that we live in Oregon because you don't have to go very far. I lived in East Texas and you feel like you had to work a little more at that. (laughs) But it's so easy to see here and it's so magnificent. One of the great places to see the glory of God is the night sky. Pete Gregg said this. He's like, imagine someone standing out and and, and looking at the northern lights, aurora borealis, for the first time. We have a picture of the northern lights here. Imagine looking up at it for the first, oh, I would love to be right there, in person. Imagine you're in person. You stand up and you look at that and say, wow, I am awesome. (laughs) What? No one says that. You can't look up at the northern lights and think that you are awesome. You look up at the northern lights and you're like, man, whoever made that is awesome. I, I, and I, I get lost in some of this stuff. You guys know I like to sometimes pull up pictures from like the Hubble or the James Webb telescope. I did this a little while ago. I found a couple more. Joe, let's get that first one up here. Check this out. This is my favorite thing. Look at this galaxy. Spiral galaxy. NGC 1433. I don't even know what it all, I read like, okay, this is what's going on here and I don't even understand, but I am so excited that this exists. (laughs) Like how beautiful is this? It's so crazy. Here's another one. This is the central region of the Chameleon One Dark Nebula Cloud. What? What? How? I was trying to read, okay, there's ice and there's methane and it's on fire. And I'm like, I don't even get it. But dude, somebody does, maybe. Here's another one. This is called the Tarantula Nebula. Of course, I had to choose it just for the name. The Tarantula Nebula. I, I don't know what to say. These are the things in the heavens. Now, just, just look at this. Look at this picture for a second, okay? And, and, and as, you, as you're looking at it, hear the words of the psalmist. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is, the na- is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man? that you are mindful of him, 
and the son of man that you care for him. In other words, I look up at the tarantula nebula and I think, hallowed be thy name. But of course, that's not even the actual beginning of the Lord's Prayer, is it? Tyler Staten wrote a wonderful book that we're also going to be referencing here quite a bit. Uh, it's called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. And Staten is the uh, pastor up at Bridgetown Church up in Portland. So you can pull that picture now, Joe. Um, check out this quote here. Um, this, is, this is really good. Here's what he says. These disciples knew a God of cleansing rituals and animal sacrifices, a God of 10 plagues and blood on the doorpost, a God who parts seas and floods the earth, a God with a heavy hand of deliverance and a heavy hand of judgment, awesome in power, but hard to get to know. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus did nothing to diminish the reverence, nothing to minimize the power of God. Jesus made that power of God knowable. Jesus didn't introduce them to a new God. He was abundantly clear about that. He said, I have not come to abolish them, meaning the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. Jesus prayed to the reverend God of power, excuse me, revered God of power and judgment with the familiarity of the term Father. Father. So you guys, that God, the God of the smoky throne room, the God of Aurora Borealis, the God of the Tarantula Nebula is your dad. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. By inviting us to call him Father, Jesus, he makes this massive creator God, this unfathomable holy God, noble to us. He brings us, he brings us close. Like, so that picture we've... <laughs> that picture we, we read of the, the throne room of God, right? Like that scary place with the angels, you have permission to just barge in there any time of day because you're his kid. Can you imagine that? Even Queen Esther didn't have that kind of access to her king. She had to get all prettied up and, and had to, like this was a big thing to step into the presence of the king unannounced. I, it was, it was, she could she have died, you guys, if Xerxes didn't extend his scepter. She was going to die, and she was the queen. We can just push the doors open and come right in there in our jammies. <laughs> just slip right up on the throne, crawl up on the king's lap, point and laugh at the weird seraphim and their wings, you know? <laughs> that is your birthright. You can barge into the throne room of God at any time because he is your dad. Do we realize the gravity of that and the impossibility of that? And yet that's what we've been granted. You have the green light to walk in at any time. That's your access. That's what he invites us into. Indeed, even the whole Old Testament hinted at this Think of Psalm 31, 1 and 2, looking at God as Father. And God also, you're using some mother metaphors here too. Oh, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. 
when my girls were little, we used to play this game. We'd say things like, uh, Emily, I love you taller than the tallest mountain. Or, Jenna, I love you bluer than the bluest sea. I know grammatically it didn't quite work out, but, you know. <laughs> Jenna got me one day. She's maybe four. She said, Daddy, I love you more beautiful than the most beautiful princess wedding dress with wings. <laughs> with wings, you guys. That is the adoration of a father right there. <laughs> it might be the best compliment I've ever had in my life. Many of our worship songs begin at, that, at a similar place where we draw close to our Father and we consider how close he's been to us. I love the one, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. And every day that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. But we simply draw close to him because he's been drawn close to us. Tyler Staten says, the reason that prayers of adoration are so important is that they remind us who God is and who we are. We are reminding our own souls of, of a core truth right at the beginning of prayer. Look, look at this quote here. When we call God our Father, we are equally remembering that we are completely uniquely loved. Until we know that love, nothing can be truly right within us. But after that simple revelation, something becomes irrevocably right within us at the deepest level. When we pray, our Father, we are really asking him to remind us again today that we are loved. These then are the two great pillars of adoration. Hallowed be thy name and our Father. The greatness of God the goodness of God, his awesomeness and his nearness, his riches and his generosity, his power and his gentleness. He is the emperor of a billion sons and he is our dad. Prayers of adoration begin here in either place. And the best ones come at the intersection of those two. We can, we can turn two worship songs into one. We can say, oh, Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear your rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, you are a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I am loved by you. It's who I am. There's a wonderful scene in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where Aslan comes back to life. Full disclosure, or uh, uh, spoiler alert, Aslan's Jesus. Okay, here you go. He dies. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> He dies and comes back to life, and right after that, he, he, he sees Susan and Lucy, who were witnesses of his execution and his resurrection, and he comes, they come to him, and, and, and they, 
they begin to play. And they begin to chase him around the grass. And, and they have this, this great scene where they're catching him and he's throwing up in the air and he's, he's catching him and they're rolling over and they're laughing and laughing. And here's what the narrator says. He says, such a romp no one has ever had except in Narnia. And whether it was more like playing with a thunderstorm or playing with a kitten, Lucy could never make up her mind. Playing with a thunderstorm or playing with a kitten. That is adoration. Sometimes we praise him for his power. Sometimes we embrace him for his gentleness. Sometimes both. Why not both? Prayers of adoration, I believe, are the best gateway to all the other types of prayer. That's why it's at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. So, let's get practical. How do we enter into prayers of adoration? Because sometimes this is easier than other times. Sometimes it's so easy. Sometimes your heart is full. And the words just gush forth. That's beautiful when it's that way. It's wonderful. And then how do you do it? You just do it. And you can linger there. You can just linger there. You can enjoy God in the midst of it. Just enjoy him. Sometimes it's a little harder. Uh, Sometimes you have to work a little at it because your heart isn't full of those things. And I want to tell you, don't worry if that's the case. In fact, your prayers of adoration when your heart, when you don't have those emotions, I would argue is maybe actually a little more precious. It's a sacrifice of praise at that point to say, I love you, even though my heart isn't overwhelmed at this particular moment. We've been married for 24 years almost, okay? I love this woman very much. But I don't always feel like when we're on our anniversary trip or something, you know? Like, you don't know, you can't, you're, that's just not always gonna be the case. So sometimes the very best way to love her is just get in there and do the dishes. That's, a, you know, your heart doesn't end it, but that's sacrifice of praise, right? It's a sacrifice of love for her. There's going to be sacrifices of prayer as well. And adoration, even when our heart isn't overflowing with the bubbles, is a really good thing. So here's the first way. Thanksgiving. Simple way, Thanksgiving. Psalm 100 says this, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. Peterson translates it this way, enter with the password, thank you. I love Peterson. Look around your life. Where is God blessing you? Point it out. Take notice. He already sees it, but you probably need to too or be reminded of it. Now, again, sometimes this is really hard. Sometimes you're going through really tough seasons. A dark cloud is over you. and It's super hard to see anything that you're thankful for. So I want to give you uh, some that somebody gave me recently. I, I've had to exercise it a few times, and it's really cool. Um, I, I found it so helpful uh, to, to step back and to not only look at an individual blessing, but all the blessings it took for that blessing to get there. Okay? Give you an example. I really love coffee. I, I was sitting one morning, and, and it was... I was having a, a very difficult time being thankful. I was emotionally spent. I was upset with God. There was all kinds of things that were, felt like they were crumbling around me, but I had this really good cup of coffee. And so I thought, okay, thank you, Lord, for coffee. It's a good thing. But then I had to step back. Okay, okay. All the things that took to get here. Lord, thank you that somebody grew coffee beans somewhere. I don't know where. In some land, they grew coffee beans. And they're really good at growing these particular coffee beans. Thank you, Lord, for those farmers. And thank you, Lord, that those farmers are good business people, and they grew these coffee beans, and they sold them 
to someone who probably put them on a boat or on an airplane. Thank you, Lord, for that boat captain. Thank you for those people on the barge. Thank you that it came over and that there was, they, 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 there was somebody who knew how to roast these coffee beans in the perfect manner so that they would get super dark and oily just like I like them. Amen. And thank you, Lord, for the good folks at Costco who bought those, who bought those beans, put them in that beautiful bag, and I could see just how delicious they were. And I thank you, Lord, for my coffee grinder too. And then I was like, wait a minute, this is, I, I mean, I, we have one of these single shot uh, espresso things and it's got a frother. I love it. I, it was a latte I was drinking. Thank you, Lord, for cows. <laughs> thank you for cows. They're probably pretty close to here. We thank you that there's cows and there was lots of grass for them. We thank you for the people who milked are probably the people who made the milking machine. But I'm a little more romantic than that. There's a farmer's son slipped out there at five in the morning and milked the cows. <laughs> Thank you for the little glass bottle he probably used. Don't, don't break my fantasy. Thank you, Lord, for pasteurization. Thank you there's people that know what pasteurization is, because I don't. But thank you, Lord, that it was brought to Safeway and that I could, I could go and get that thing and bring it, and then I could use this amazing contraption. Thank you for the engineers who figured out how to do this thing. Thank you, Lord, for my coffee. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. And it's so easy to overlook those things. So I want to commend that little trick to you. Don't just thank him for the thing in front of you. Thank him for all the dominoes that had to be lined up for you to receive that thing. Amen? Okay. Thanksgiving. Number two, borrow someone else's prayer. Plagiarize prayer all day long. Listen. I grew up feeling like there was something wrong with praying someone else's prayer. I really did. I thought it was, oh, that's just extra religious. <laughs> we do it every time we come in and sing songs on a Sunday. All we're doing is singing someone else's prayer. Every time we open the Psalms and read out a psalm, we're praying someone else's prayer. It is right and good and beautiful to do that because sometimes you're not going to be able to work up the words, you know? I'm a writer, and there's times I have nothing. I'm like, Lord, I have nothing. I have no words to say. So I'm going to have to go in and pray the words of this psalm with the sons of Korah and just say yes and amen to what they said in Psalm 84. Better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. Yeah, I just say amen to that thing. I didn't come up with that, but yeah, amen to that thing, you know? David's songs. Or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's a Stephanie Gretzinger, that prayer that she prayed in that beautiful song. Yes and amen to that. I like that, that thing. Yeah, Lord, that. That's for me. Put, put me down. Two of those for me, Dude. That's right and good and beautiful. And obviously, I'm referring to songs here because often this is the best way to do that, to enter into song. You don't have to, but I think this is a wonderful gateway to adoration because music has that effect on us, doesn't it? It moves our heart. Do not be shy about praying other people's prayers. Embrace it. Embrace it. Thirdly, remember Worship team, can you make your way up here? Remember what he's done. He's done a lot, hasn't he? But I, I have to acknowledge, when you're in that dark place, you feel paralyzed to praise because all you can feel like you see is that thing that's going on right now. And, and 
This is why the psalmists again and again point us to remember, recall the hand of God, remember the things that he's done. Let your heart drift back to the days when you possessed the blessing that maybe you don't possess right now. But the fact that you possessed it then is evidence of the goodness of God. Even if you're not feeling it right now, and I know that can sting, but if you push through the sting, I promise you there's blessing there. There's adoration there. The most obvious way to think about this is with people we lost, isn't it? I've been thinking a lot about Janae lately. For those who came in the last four years, you probably never met Janae, but everybody in this house knew Janae. You couldn't be here without hearing her loud voice bursting suddenly into some random show tune or into some weird Wookiee growl thing. Davis, do you got it? <laughs> it was higher than that, but yes. <laughs> Right? And I, 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 it took me a, a long time after she passed away to think of like, Lord, like why there's so many people praying she was too young? And it's so easy to think about that and stay in this place of grief and mourning, you know? And that is uh, appropriate to spend that time in grief and mourning. But I'll tell you guys, when I think on her now, there's much more sweetness than there is pain. You know why? Because God put her in our lives for 16 years. She was a gift. And she was a gift to this family. And would I be more happy if that gift had never come so I don't experience the pain now? The fact that I needed a sister in my life and she needed a brother and she brought us together with our family and we all came up here and you guys all fell in love with her. The fact that, that God gave us all that gift of Janae McWilliams is evidence of his goodness and his care even though we can't experience that gift right now. So we call to God the remembrance of the gifts that he's given even if those things are now gone because he is good and he gives new gifts to sustain us. He gives new gifts. He's always giving new gifts. He is an awesome God. And we stand before him in awesome wonder that his generosity never runs out, that his goodness never gets depleted. He is both the God of the cosmos and he's my dad. Enter into his gates. Enter into adoration, thanksgiving, borrowing prayers, remembrance. There's so many others. But we need not rush through it. Instead, let your heart touch that place again. Let him fill that spot. There's a beautiful work that God's beginning to do now. There's some beautiful ways he's beginning to touch this land touch this church and it begins with simple adoration with simple being in the presence of God and with saying you are holy you are holy we're going to sing a song that we haven't sung in a long time but it summarizes hallowed be thy name as well as any song that I could think of let's stand if you know this song, belt it out. If you don't, just check out these, these words and be swept away in it.